Hello, this is Pastor Jim Cleveland. Thank you for tuning in to Mule Mountain Messages, uplifting biblical sermons from the pulpit of the Community Church of Warren in historic Bisbee, Arizona. Our services are Sunday mornings at 1030, and if you're looking for a church home, we want to invite you to come and join our family. For more information, call 520-432-4722. Today we have a special edition of Mule Mountain Messages. Currently, Christians are engaged in a culture war that is viciously attacking the children of America. There is a war on the children in America, and we cannot be silent. May God speak to you through His Word this day, and may we as the body of Christ go forth in compassionate boldness to proclaim the hope and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost, confused, and hopeless world. Well, good morning again. I got to tell you that uh, the Holy Spirit earlier this week impressed upon me to give a special sermon today, and uh, it's on an, uh, on a very important issue that really I would say is wreaking havoc across our land. Now, this is always a scary thing when God wants to uh, change things in midstream, but, but you know, we have to be obe- obedient to what He is telling us to do. And I have to be honest with you, I don't know how well this will be received, but I need to go forth with it and trust in Him. The issue that we're going to talk about is a very serious issue, and it really does impact everyone in our nation. Now, it's no secret, and it's not hidden that we as Americans are divided. We are in the midst of what has been called the culture war. Some have also called it a cold civil war. On one side, we have people who desire to uphold the traditional values as rooted in the Judeo-Christian ethic of the founding of our nation. And on the other hand, we have people with a secular humanist vision which for the most part is diametrically opposed to the Judeo-Christian version and vision. But in this culture war, we are at the point where we as believers in Jesus Christ must be engaged. We can no longer sit comfortably on the sidelines and hope for the best. However, when we as believers... And we as Christians, we have to remember that our rules of engagement, as the military says, are not dictated by society. They're not dictated by popular culture. And they're certainly not dictated by raw emotion that happens all the time when things get discussed nowadays. But our rules of engagement are dictated by the Holy Word of God. And when we engage... We engage by the standard and rules set forth in God's Word. Now, it's interesting. The Bible acknowledges that we are, in fact, in this war, in this conflict. The culture war is really nothing new. It's been around and as old as mankind itself. Listen to some of these scriptures. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful 
for the destruction of fortresses. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So it's a spiritual struggle. So that if we have a person there that disagrees with us, our battle is not with that person. But it's in the spiritual heavenlies, the heavenly places. Hebrews 12.4 says, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. 1 Peter 4.12-13 Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exultation. And 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. And for us believers, for Christians, this is really a two-front war. We're faced with attacks against us personally, with individual temptations, with personal trials and tribulations that are particular to us. And this is the fight we fight daily. The Bible says we die to self daily, that we, we have to be spiritually aware and spiritually alert because the enemy will come against us to, to drive a wedge between us and God. Scripture tells us, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. First Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage, what? wage war against the soul. So we're in this spiritual battle uh, personally. And we have to be aware of these spiritual attacks and be prepared for them. And we prepare through study, through prayer, through the fellowship and encouragement of each other. We're not ever meant to walk this walk of faith alone, apart from brothers and sisters in Christ. We walk daily in the Spirit of God. And we allow God to be the Lord of our life. And surrendering, truly surrendering our entire being to Him. This personal front in this war is very important. And we have to be spiritually strong to then address the second front of this spiritual war. This war on our culture, this war in our society. And again, like I said before, we believers in the one true God have been in this battle since the beginning. Remember the patriarchs and prophets of old were constantly warning of sin creeping or even roaring into their societies and leading people astray and to destruction. These patriarchs and prophets were warning of the worship of false gods, the desecration of the sanctity of marriage and the sacrifice of children. Sounds familiar. The enemy's tactics never change. 
And yes, there is an enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. His tactics don't change. We face the same attacks. The attacks on marriage, the attacks of, of these false gods. One of which is what I'm going to be talking and referring to today is this secular humanism of today. And we face the same perversion of sex from what it was intended and blessed by God. And the same sacrifice of children to appease the false idols of convenience and cultural acceptance. And it's this sacrifice of our children that I want to talk to you today about. Because we're not just sacrificing our children. I believe our society has declared outright war on children. And then I want to talk to you about this war. Along with the elderly, children are the most vulnerable in society. You know, I saw a TV show a while back. It was one of these nature shows. And it was a show about crocodiles. And there was this mother crocodile who had laid her eggs in this sandy place alongside the river. She guards the nest as best she can, but she has to leave from time to time. And when she leaves, there's predators that are watching. Now, these are the little guys that would normally be gobbled up by the crocodile, but it's their turn. These predators range from snakes to birds, to rats and insects, they come and they raid the eggs in her nest. Well, there are some eggs that survive the hatch, but when they do hatch, they have to make a mad dash from their sandy little nest to the water. And waiting for them to run that gauntlet are more birds and animals that scoop down to take up these little crocs. And then they have the water in sight, and they're almost there. They're running with everything they're worth. And then waiting for them there at the water's edge is this big old male crocodile. And he's just scooping them in his mouth, having a tasty snack as fast as they can get there. Well, of course, a few survive. But I really feel this is a great analogy for we are, we're where we are with our children today. You know, it's been well documented, and this battle has been, been fighting for a long time. I don't know that we can ever emphasize it enough, but I think sometimes we hear these numbers so much, we just get immune to it. But we have a huge body count, like the eggs in the nest. We have a huge body count of the babies in the womb. This war against our children starts with abortion and the 60 plus million children killed since the government sanctioned this killing and blessing of killing babies in the womb. Some babies are resilient enough to survive abortion only to be left to die on the table. 
Recently, a bill was blocked in the United States Senate that would have required, listen, that doctors give the same degree of care to newborns who survive abortion that any other child born alive at the same gestational age would receive. But they blocked it. So not only are the predators raiding the nest, they're killing them right after birth. And for those children that survived the womb, they now have to run that gauntlet called life. God's plan for mankind to flourish and survive the challenges of life has always been the family, a man and a woman, a mother and a father, and their children. This is the basic building block of any society, of any nation, any civilization. Strong families equal a strong society. Now Satan, who is smart, understands this, so he attacks the family first. Currently, it's estimated that just over 40% of marriages end in divorce. And once that defensive line is broken, then the children are at extreme risk. And as I was going through and researching some of these statistics, it was almost too overwhelming. Overwhelming as to what the children face today. Overdoses, drug overdoses, are on the rise. And this is the youngest, and this is, I couldn't get raw numbers, but there was an average of 22.3 drug overdoses for every 10,000 room, emergency room visits, and that's for children under the age of 10. For ages 11 to 14, it was almost double that at 43.2 drug overdoses per 10,000 visits. And among teens and young adults, the rate was 85.2 overdoses per 10,000 visits. Hey, but there's some great news. The suspected heroin overdoses between the ages of 15 and 24 are down. We celebrate a slight decrease in heroin overdoses in teens. Well, states like Colorado have seen increases in marijuana poisoning in young children since they legalized marijuana. But they have their tax revenue and people have their pot, right? So I guess it's worth the sacrifice of a few children along the way. Since we just did this in Arizona, we'll have to see what happens. Children face gang violence. 3,000 children are killed by gun violence and over 15,000 are wounded each year. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in children ages 10 to 14. 14,000 to 17,000 children are sexually trafficked in the U.S. each year. 
and pornography to include child pornography is exploding. It's amazing how the internet can be regulated to control political speech that shares a contrary view, but they just can't seem to do anything about child porn. And of course, our secular humanist culture warriors now must get in on the attack. And this is what placed on my heart as a burden to bring before you today. Our government is on the verge of firing two vicious salvos in this war against the children. This week, the House of Representatives passed the so-called Equality Act. And the Senate is on the verge of confirming a radical transgender advocate who favors the mutilation of children in the name of transgenderism. So let's talk about this Equality Act. This law will affect everyone and it's terrible legislation. It will use the force of law to impose upon all people of faith, of all faiths, the government's belief in mandates about sexual orientation. It erases the, the uh, exceptions for conscience. In other words, if you hold a belief different from the government's, you will be subject to the full force and penalty of the law. Ministries from any faith background will lose the ability to hire people who share a common faith. It will put into force of law that a person can lose their job or face a fine if they fail to use the person's preferred pronoun. Christian schools can lose their accreditations if they do not bow to the government's belief system. Here it is in short. The government is mandating that we follow the dictates of the state, not our conscience, not our faith. The government is mandating that the government become the object of our worship and obedience, not the Lord God Almighty. They desire the worship of the state. There will be no conscious protections for people of faith. But this sermon is about the war on children. And how does this affect children? Well, in two huge ways. First, schools be allowed, will be forced to allow persons who identify as a sexual preference to use the bathroom, locker room, shower room, dormitory of what they identify as. So what does this mean? Girls will be forced to dress and shower with biological males, no exceptions, no exceptions under the penalty of law. Secondly, female sports will be forced to allow biological males to compete against girls. This is already happening in Connecticut, and girls who have trained all their lives to compete in college are now losing scholarship opportunities. No matter as to what they identify with, a boy is still a boy and a girl is still a girl. God said he created male and he created female. God knew what he was doing and I'm going to stick with him. Now secondly, and this I think is 
Well, vicious. Vicious. The Senate is looking to confirm as Secretary, uh, Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services a person by the name of Dr. Rachel Levin. Now, Dr. Levin is a transgendered person, has favored in the past the use of hormones to prevent biological development and surgery to remove or destroy a minor's genitalia. Dr. Levin was recently asked about the use of poverty blockers and surgery to transform minors and the doctor refused to answer. Now look, if you're an adult, that's one thing. You're going to do what you feel like you need to do. But to perform life-altering treatment on a minor, that is, as Dr. Ben Carson, the pediatric neurosurgeon, said, child abuse. That this doctor could not answer such a basic question really shows that the advocacy of radical gender dysphoria is more important than the health of a child. Talk about denying science. Well, I want to read to you, uh, if I can find it here, a quote by Dr. Ben Carson, who was just recently interviewed about this. Carson replied to the question, he says, well, I think they have completely neglected biology. Biology tells us that there are males and that there are females. There's a reason for that, and we also know that the human brain is an incredibly complex organ, and it's not fully developed until your mid to late 20s. He is a pediatric neurosurgeon. I think he knows what he's talking about. So why would you be asking a pre-adolescent about these complex issues, Carson asked. Why would we even be comp complicating their lives? Children are curious by nature, and of course they're going to ask questions and explore things. That doesn't mean that they want to change their sex. And to confuse them in that way, I think, is child abuse. It certainly has nothing to do with science. These radical things are actually going to ruin people's lives in the long term. Why would you do that to a child? There's a war on children in our culture. The use of chemical or surgical procedures to amputate breasts or genitalia is truly the Western world's version of female gender mutilation found in third world countries and condemned by the World Health Organization. According to the World Health Organization, female genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights. Genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because as the World Health Organization notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. Hey, but we're going to do it here. Most genital mutilation is typically performed by force, but as World Health Organization notes, by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform and 
others do not have to do what others have been doing, as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Did you hear that? Social norms. So we're creating an environment here in this country that it's socially normal to take a young child and mutilate them for the rest of their life because we don't want to make anybody mad. Because we might offend somebody. Listen to the story of Kira Bell. She's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the internet about something about transsexuals, and she thought, well, maybe that's what I am. And she ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and she had her breast amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now, and this is a very insightful decision from someone who made a mistake but was led to believe this was a good thing by the medical community. She said, I made a brash brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do, trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected. She said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. Now they want to do it here. Another assault on children. All right. So what do we do? Well, friends, we have a voice and it's time to use it. Our scripture today in Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time to keep silent and a time to speak. Now is the time to speak. Now is the time to use our voice. And we can use our voice to pray. Everything we should be do, everything we do should be lifted up in prayer to God. And we pray that God would protect the children and deliver them from this evil. We have a voice so we can contact and let our representatives know our opposition to this bill and to this appointment. And I placed the phone numbers to our representatives in the back of your bulletin. Just call them and say, I'm against the Equality Act and I'm against the nomination of Dr. Levin. We have a voice. We have a voice to persuade. We can become informed and to gently persuade people as to the real cost of legislation such as this. And we have a voice. We can share the love of Christ with those who don't know him. And for those who accept him, the Holy Spirit can bring them wisdom in issues such as these. And we have a voice to share the gospel with the children. A child who comes to Christ is less likely to seek the world for affirmation because they already know that there is special creation in Christ and that there is a special plan 
and purpose for their life. I'm just going to say it. CEF is a great organization to accomplish this. Pray for CEF and its volunteers. Maybe you can volunteer for CEF or you can give. Either way, you can have a powerful voice through them as they witness the children, millions of children around the world each year. And we have a voice to encourage each other in this battle and to lift each other up. Whatever we do, we must use our voice and speak. And remember, in this cultural war, our weapons are spiritual. We surrender our lives and wills to God, and we pray and love our enemies, just like Jacob DeShazer did. We fight this war with a compassionate boldness, but we must engage in the battle. We must the victory is ours in Christ. It truly is. But we have a responsibility to limit the casualties. While we have a voice, we need to use it. And honestly, if they try to take our voice away from us, we need to use it as well. well let me close with the words of Jesus found in Matthew 19:14. Jesus said, "Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise, Lord God, that you are sovereign. But Father, nothing and your word tells us that we are exempt from the battle, that we are exempt from the conflict. Father, in fact, you do tell us to engage. You tell us to go and share you. You tell us to pray. You tell us to be alert. Father, you have a special place in your heart for the children. And Father, I cannot even fathom The anger you must feel at how these little ones are being treated in our culture today, in our society today. We live in a throwaway society, Lord, and we're throwing our children away. But Father, I pray that your people would rise up, that your people would shout from the rooftops, enough! I pray that your people would put their arms around these children. And Father, I pray that you would protect the children. Father, lead us and guide us. Show us, Lord God. And Father, give us boldness to engage in the battle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, fill us with your spirit and send us out with confidence in your word to tell the world of your saving acts and to bring glory to your name in which we pray. Amen. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.